Good afternoon. Uh, there was a baseball game going on, and the uh, center fielder was playing a terrible game. He overran one hit, and then the next one went through his legs. He made three arrows in a row. So the manager of the team was uh, furious, so he called the center fielder in, and he said, give me your glove. So the manager went to take the kid's place in center field, and the first ball that was hit to him hit him right between the eyes. The second one hit him on the top of the head and bounced over the fence. He made another error. Finally, the uh, inning was over, so he went into the dugout, and the manager came in fuming, boiling mad. He threw the kid's glove on the ground, and the players didn't know what to say, think, or do. And the manager said to the center fielder, who had been there before, he said, you idiot. He said, you made such a mess out of center field that nobody can play it. And you know, I wonder if we've not made such a mess, generally speaking, in North America out of the prayer meeting that hardly anybody can pray. I want to talk to you about a life-giving prayer meeting. I want to talk to you about a Bible-based prayer meeting. I want to give you a new paradigm, a new format uh, to think about in terms of the prayer meeting. Now, you guys are leaders, and you all are going to be leaders. So you're going to be in charge of prayer times. So some thoughts this afternoon of a practical sort that might be helpful. Number one, I never start the prayer meeting by taking special requests. They're special only to the per people making them. And uh, you ever heard anybody say, does anybody have a non-special prayer request out there, a non-special prayer request? <laughs> so normally the prayer meeting starts with a barrage of problems, a barrage of requests. Uh, real specific prayers like, Lord, be with the missionaries. Like, what does that mean? Be with the missionaries, he's everywhere, but, and then ailing body parts and all this kind of stuff. And we have 15 or 20 minutes of problems and needs verbalized. Now, uh, there's no way in the world that anybody can remember every detail. And it's impossible to uh, connect on a heart level with people you don't know. And, and can I say, there's 222 prayers in the Bible and none of them sound like the kind of prayer meetings that most of us have been engaged in. None of them. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, we shall never see much change for the better in our church in general until uh, the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. Now, it's pretty generally assumed that all prayer, any prayer from anybody, is a good thing. But nothing can be farther from the truth. Most praying is sinful praying. I go so far as to say that most praying in Baptist churches is sinful praying. I believe we need to rethink the prayer meeting. We need to revamp our procedures because one of the reasons for the lack of interest, participation, and enthusiasm in prayer is because of the format that's become generally adopted. So we're going to talk about biblical prayer or life-giving prayer meetings. Now, let me say at the outset that... Um, Religionists have no interest in a life-giving prayer meeting. Ritualists have no interest in a life-giving prayer meeting. Uh, moralists have no interest. Uh, unsaved church members have no interest. But spirit-filled people are desperate and longing for spirit-filled prayer meetings. Life-giving prayer meetings. Not life-draining, but life-giving prayer meetings. So let's, uh, let's think about biblical uh, praying or life-giving prayer meetings for a few moments this afternoon. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Number one, biblical praying is always God-focused. 
Say that word God focused out loud. God focused. We're biblical praying, life-giving prayer meetings are God focused and they are, uh, they are um, worship based if you will. Now here in Matthew chapter 6, let's just, uh, let's just stand to our feet and let's just read the model prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. Uh, you read and we'll save my voice, okay? Verses 9 through 13, together out loud, please. Let us pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Could you say that from your heart to the heart of God? Lord, teach us to pray. Out loud, could we say that to God's heart? Lord, teach us to pray. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Now again, the average uh, prayer meeting, not all, but generally speaking, they start out with a couple of hymns, and then they verbalize a lengthy list of needs and problems, like defective body parts, uh, traveling mercies for a third cousin uh, 10 states away, uh, Aunt Susie's toe fungus, and, 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 and it's just one problem after the other, an endless list of difficulties. And I want to tell you, uh, that kind of a prayer meeting that's needs-based, request-based, instead of God-focused and worship-based is not only discouraging, it can even be depressing. Because very little faith is exercised for change. The same handful of people show up the next week to go over the same list. And hardly anything ever happens. There's a better way. There's a better way, my brother and my sister. Now, if you begin the prayer time by enumerating problems, you have established a man-centered direction instead of a God-focused direction. And to begin with needs instead of God's glory is against the scriptural pattern. Now, uh, prayer in the Bible is worship-based. And we've got to move away in prayer times from a request-based, problem-centered, uh, needs-based format. And we've got to move into a God-focused or a worship-based prayer, uh, prayer, prayer, prayer format. Now, the model prayer is a worship-based prayer. Did you notice that in this model prayer, the first three requests have nothing to do with us? Absolutely nothing. It's about God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. So the first three requests are for God and not for man. Now, all true prayer, if it's going to be biblical, it's got to honor the name of God, advance the kingdom of God, and implement the will of God. Now, prayer is partnership. Prayer is partnership. Because prayer is partnering with God in His sovereignty to implement His will upon the earth. And I believe that God's saints have an exalted position uh, that we're, 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 co we're, co we're kind of co-heirs, joint heirs. We're, we're partnering with Jesus in the implementation of His will upon the earth. Now, notice, if you would, in Acts chapter 16, when uh, Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. Yes, Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. 
<laughs> now, here they, they've cast a demon out of a fortune-telling woman. And uh, her ability to make money for her masters was gone. So they, they beat them. They brought them before the magistrates. They put them in prison. They put them in stocks. And what are Paul and Silas doing? Well, notice the scripture says here that at midnight, Paul and Silas uh, prayed and sang praises unto God. Now, what I want you to notice is the, Paul and Silas did not contact the prayer chain at Jerusalem. They didn't call the Jerusalem Law Association for legal counsel. <laughs> they didn't contact the Anti-Defamation League. No, what did they do? They had a worship-based prayer meeting, buddy. Here they've been beaten up, and a man, they're in stocks and bonds, and they're praying and singing praises to God, a worship-based prayer meeting. Now, how different is that from the average prayer meeting today? I, I say again, where, uh, where, where we got all of this verbalization of problems, but a worship-based prayer meeting. Think about Daniel. Uh, when they made a proclamation that nobody could pray to his God, and old Daniel went home, put the windows open, got on his knees three times a day, and he gave thanks. Say that out loud. He gave thanks. Say it again. He gave thanks, a worship-based prayer meeting. Before he interceded and, and supplicated, he was giving thanks. What about Hezekiah? He got a threatening letter from Sennacherib. So what did he do? Uh, the Bible, if you read it in, in Isaiah 37, he worshiped God, he praised God for two verses, and then he got to spread the letter out before the Lord, and he talked to him about his problems and his needs. Now, brethren, we got to move toward a, a, a God-focused, a worship-based prayer meeting. Now, I want to say this, that the only churches I know in this country that have hundreds of people coming to prayer meetings every week, or thousands in some cases, they are all, without exception, worship-based prayer meetings. I heard about a church that was having 700 people show up every Monday night, first Tuesday, or first Tuesday of every month uh, for prayer, 700 people. Well, this caught my attention. What's going on? Long story short, I hopped a plane, flew out west, and uh, was there that night at 7 o'clock. I wanted to see 700 people coming out to pray uh, every Tuesday of every, first Tuesday of every month. Well, you know how they did it? They started out with three songs. Then the pastor got up and talked about thanking God. Then he had uh, us huddle up and implement gratitude, giving thanks to God on the spot. Millionaires were standing beside street people. I mean, it was tremendous. It was full of young people. So we prayed and gave thanks. He got up and then he talked about, we sang, sang three more songs. Then he got up and talked about confessing sin. He didn't pull any punches. He wasn't mean. But he said the effeminate will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said if you're shacked up, you need to repent. If you don't even know who you are gender-wise, we can help you. And, and then he had us confess our sins in groups. Sang three more songs. He got up, gave another scripture, and uh, we implemented that. More songs, another scripture, implementation. It went that way for an hour and a half. I felt like I'd been to church. It was a life-giving prayer meeting, not a life-draining prayer meeting. Now, prayer is not just going to God to get something from Him. Sometimes we should go to God not to get anything, but just to give Him something. Worshiped and sang praises unto God. Spurgeon said, wash your face every morning in a bath of praise. Worship your face every morning in a bath 
of praise. Now, we got problems in the prayer meeting. Let me give you three of them. Number one, uh, the eye problems in the local church. Eye problems. The eye problem of indifference. One man said that vitamin I is the only thing, is the only vitamin we have too much of in our spiritual diets. Uh, too much I in it, and, and that being indifference. Now, to be a prayerless Christian is to be indifferent to the glory of God. To be a prayerless Christian is to be indifferent to the glory of God. Now, passion for God is the energy of prayer. Not passion for a movement. Not passion for a local assembly. Passion for God is the energy of prayer. And buddy, when you're exercised about God's name and God's kingdom and God's will, I'm just telling you, you've got something to be excited about. And you can discover the spiritual hunger level in any church of when God is the only attraction. You'll find out what the real spiritual uh, uh, condition is. Now, if I'm pursuing the fame of God on earth, then I'm motivated by worship-based prayer. If I'm all about the glory of God, the honor of God, the name of God, the kingdom of God, and the will of God, then I'm motivated. I'm motivated about sanctifying God's name, advancing God's kingdom, and accomplishing God's will. So God's glory is the motivation for prayer. Everybody good so far? Go like this right here. Not like this, not like this right here. But, but. All right, let's stand to your feet. I want us to sing a hymn to the Lord. This is a prayer. This hymn is a prayer. I need thee every hour. I want you to, I want you to concentrate more about singing from your heart to God than getting uh, the, 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 the notes all right, all right? From your heart to the heart of God, a prayer. Let's sing it together. Somebody help us get going here. I need thee every hour. I need thee. Sing it to the Lord. I seated. So the second eye problem in the local church is that of independence. Not only indifference, but independence. Now, prayerlessness is my declaration of independence from God. 
The only people that pray are people that need God, know they need God, and can't make it without God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the more powerfully we experience his worthiness, the more honestly we embrace our neediness. He's worthy and we are needy. Remember in Isaiah chapter 6, the seraphim, how they were crying, holy, holy, holy. The prophet overheard this uh, song of uh, thrice praise to God and his name. And I want to say this, that after Isaiah saw God in all of his holiness, boy, he was convicted. He said, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people that have dirty mouths. I mean, he, he, he sensed God's worthiness, which produced a sense of his own neediness. Now, God is worthy, we are destitute. God is worthy, we are needy. And I want to tell you, the devil doesn't care what you depend upon other, uh, as long as it's anything other than God. So independence, I want you to think out loud for a moment. What are some things that we tend to depend upon other than God himself? I want you to narrow it down to one word. What are some things that modern Christians uh, tend to place their confidence in and depend upon other than the Lord himself? Just over on this side, just shout it out. One word answers. What did we depend upon other than the Lord? Give me some thoughts. People, money, work, real loud. Experience. Self. All right, they conked out. Over here, some one word, one word. Uh, what do we depend upon other than the Lord? Let's have some thoughts. Skills. Feelings. Mm. Medicine. Oh, I, I forgot to take mine this afternoon, Dave. Thanks, sir. <laughs> what was that, Brother Flanders? Ourself. What else do we depend upon? <laughs> what else? <laughs> well, we depend upon all kinds of things other than the Lord himself. And this is a real problem. You know, our talent, our skills, our abilities, our personality, our history, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, rather than dependent upon God. So I want us to have a worship-based prayer experience. So let's stand our feet one more time and let's sing to the Lord uh, that song, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Let's sing it together, please. Holy, Holy, Holy. Thank you so much. Oh, we skipped that verse. All right, here we are. All right, third eye problem in the local church 
indifference, uh, but this one also, individualism. Individualism. Prayer is not asking God to restructure the universe to meet my felt needs. Prayer is not asking God to restructure uh, circumstances so I'll feel comfortable. That's not what prayer is. Uh, most people pray out of crisis, out of ritual, or out of a grocery list. But there's a better way. And I believe that decluttering the prayer meeting will go a long ways toward intimacy in prayer. So number one, we have to get over our preoccupation with problems. We all have problems. Every one of you sitting here have problems. I'm carrying on my heart, heart right now burdens for people who have cancer and they're dying. I have burdens on my heart for people who are sick. I have burdens on my heart for people who are grieving. But brethren, we cannot live uh, with constant emphasis on difficulties and problems. We've got to get into the arena of praise. We've got to get to a worship-based uh, format. Now, begin by entering the arena of praise like Paul in silence. Now, there's never been a move of God anywhere apart from united prayer. And the model prayer is not just a personal prayer. In fact, there's not a personal pronoun anywhere in the model prayer. Notice it's uh, forgive us. It's give us. It's deliver us. It's a family prayer. So most praying is about I, me, and my. But there's not an I, a me, or a my anywhere to be found in the model prayer. It's a we, us, and our. So I wonder... With that in mind, individualism, if we could enter into the arena of corporate uh, uh, prayer uh, by singing that song, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul. You know, when you sing, sometimes you not only need to sing about God, you need to sing to God. So this is a prayer. You know it. Let's sing it. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. Not my, our. Let's sing it together, all right? Our hearts to God's heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our, our. Us, us. Us. All right, so life-giving prayer meetings are God-focused. They're worship-based. Everybody good on this so far? Not certain, all right? Well, think about it and tell me tomorrow, all right? Number two, uh, life-giving prayer meetings are, number two, Scripture-fed or Scripture-driven. Uh, life-giving prayer meetings are Scripture-driven. Now, as you read your Bible, you've got to let it read you. As you read your Bible, especially as a prayer leader, as a shepherd, and you're shepherding people, uh, pay attention to the verses that resonate with your spirit, that jump off the page, that excite your imagination, that speak to your heart, and then pray through those verses that speak to you. Now, the model prayer is a pattern for prayer. It's not a formula to repeat. It's a guideline to pray through. Now, the version in Luke chapter 11 gives us some insight into the categories for prayer. Hallowed be thy name speaks of Say it out loud. Thy kingdom come speaks of. Thy will be done as in heaven so in earth speaks of. Give us this day 
Give us day by day our daily bread speaks of. Uh, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us speaks of. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil speaks of. Deliverance. So these are categories to pray through. Now when you, when you go to prayer always start out by uh, entering his gates with thanksgiving. Always begin by entering into his courts with Praise. Always begin by worshiping the Lord, by saying, sanctifying, setting apart, and hallowing his name. And then you need to figure out, well, what aspect of this prayer is big to me? Because different aspects of prayer are needed at different times. So you focus on the aspect that's needed most uh, in the group you're leading or in your life as an individual. So prayer must be scripture fed. Now, whoever begins the conversation will direct it. Whoever starts the conversation directs the conversation. And if you start the conversation, it'll all be about you and those closest to you. But if God starts the conversation uh, and, and we, we springboard out of the word of God, then, then he directs us. Now, reading scriptural prayers is a good way to begin a prayer time. There's lots of scriptural prayers. I mean, Ephesians 3, good night, what a prayer. I mean, amazing. So, but here's one in Psalm chapter, chapter 80. Uh, you're familiar with this one. Uh, read it out loud. Quicken us. Read that one more time. Quicken. All right, the word quicken means to revive. It means to make alive, to enliven. Uh, verse uh, 40 in Psalm 119 says, Quicken me in your righteousness. Make me alive. Lord, in your righteousness. We heard it this morning. Uh, verse 156 says, quicken me according to your judgments. Hmm. So give me life, God, according to your word. And I want to say this, that uh, our emotions are so fickle, and some of us, our emotions are all over the map. It doesn't make any difference how you feel. It doesn't make any difference. What you, you don't have to feel like giving thanks to give thanks. You don't have to feel like praising God to praise God. By the way, you'll come a whole lot quicker, a whole lot closer into acting your way into feeling than feeling your way into acting. So you're not a slave to your emotions, which come and which go. Pay no attention to them whatsoever. Uh, start with the Word of God. Find some promise, some prayer from the Word of God, and, and you can launch into prayer with that. So let's ask God now to quicken us according to His Word. Let's ask God to fulfill the scripture, uh, to enliven us, to revive us, to renew us, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So I wonder this afternoon if we could implement this. I wonder if we could pray that prayer. Lord, quicken us because. Or, Lord, we need revival because. Hmm. Lord, quicken us. We need revival because, and just fill in the blank. Huddle up with your partner beside of you, groups of two. Let's implement scripture-driven prayer by springboarding into prayer with that text. Lord, revive us, quicken us, because, all right? Little huddle time right here. Just huddle up with somebody and have a little prayer time, all right? Just okay. <laughs> Lord, quicken us, because we surely need you. Mm. Oh, God, quicken us so you'll get the credit 
and the glory you deserve and desire. Amen. Lord, quicken us because without your power, nothing's going to happen. Lord, quicken us so the people we minister to will get the benefit of your Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. All right, biblical praying, life-giving prayer meetings are scripture-driven, God-focused, worship-based, but life-giving prayer meetings, number three, are spirit-led, spirit-led. Now, this is where frequency and fervency in prayer comes in. In Matthew chapter 20, there was a mother asking Christ that her two sons might be seated, one on the right, one on the left, and Jesus told, Jesus told her she didn't know what she was asking. And, 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 and prayer is not imposing our carnal desires upon God. You know, you know, most prayer meetings, there's no inquiry into the heart of God about what he would have us to do differently. But it's only uh, that God would sanction what we're already doing. And I want to it's a dangerous thing when you assume that uh, you don't need to be taught by God. And let me say this, in, in this generation, uh, I meet churches all the time even in college towns where they have 70,000 uh, college students and not one of them attend their church, there is no desire whatsoever to reach them. There is no openness or teachability. There is no openness to the Holy Ghost to tell them what to do to reach out, but they want the college students to come in and act like them and think like them and be like them. And I want to tell you something, brother. God wants to reach a broken generation and we need to get open enough to where we're teachable. Say amen, somebody. Kmart had 2,323 stores in 1999. In 2019, they were down to 115. There's a lot of churches, just, just like Kmart. Same display, same product, same arrangement, same blue light special. Uh, no innovation, no willingness to invest in uh, 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 how to connect and do things. And brother, I'm just telling you, uh, I believe 50% of conservative churches will be out of business in 50 years unless there comes revival. And if there's not going to be any revival unless we'll be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Spirit-led prayer meeting. Now back to the message here. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 8, notice what it says here. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Now read the bold words out loud. For we know not. We don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit, his, his burden is so deep, he groans. Jesus groaned. In his spirit at the tomb of Lazarus, the whole creation is groaning in travail. The Holy Spirit groans in prayer. Uh, Thomas Watson said the best prayers are groans. When's the last time you groaned? You know, you get a report. Something comes to your mind about your friend that's sick. Oh, God. I was in a church not long ago. Uh, they had a pre-service prayer on Sunday morning. The men had gathered. They were, they were groaning. 
They were groaning. We went to service and called on an 85-year-old man to bless the offering. He didn't bless the offering, brother. He groaned. He wept for about four or five minutes. There was a groaning going on. And I, I just want to say this, that uh, this matter of prayer is when we come into, in, into connection and union with the heart of God. Now, your inability to pray should never lead you to despair. It should drive you to the Holy Spirit who knows the heart of God. Prayer is breathing back into the soul of God the desires that he's put in our hearts. So prayer is spirit-born. Prayer is spirit-breathed. Prayer is spirit-led. Uh, the spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted. Spirit-led praying. Now, can I say this? The Holy Spirit has moods. How many know that? The Holy Spirit is a, per is a personality. And by the way, there is no third member of the Trinity. You'll never find that in the Bible. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there is no lesser, lesser position designated to the Spirit of God. He is God. Now, and the Holy Spirit has moods. That's why sometimes when you pray, there's intense conviction. I know at the prayer advance, uh, sometimes, especially back in the mid-90s, man alive. We didn't know much about victory, but buddy, we were... Hot and heavy on conviction of sin, I'm just telling you. And uh, one group uh, prayed to 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, the God didn't lead all the other groups, but God led that group. And sometimes when you pray, there's intense conviction. Sometimes when you pray, there's this burden, there's this intercession, this spirit of intercession that comes. I remember one time in a prayer advance, a man stood up and spoke on prayer and everybody dropped to their knees and we prayed through the next session. We didn't have any teaching or preaching because the burden of God was on us for intercession so we just went with it and, and we prayed through it. So sometimes there's intercession. Sometimes there's intense conviction. Sometimes there's instruction in prayer. You know sometimes you pray when your mind gets illuminated with all kinds of thoughts and you get instructions from God and you get ideas from God. So there's a flow to praying in the Spirit. There's a supernatural dimension. The sad thing is that people are so afraid of the supernatural and we become so rationalistic. And the more Calvinistic you can become to analyze everything and strip the fire of God and the enthusiasm of God out of the church and out of the prayer meeting. And no wonder churches are dying when there's no holy fire. And if you're more afraid of... of uh, 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 holy fire, then you are no fire, you got a problem. I'm not interested in wildfire, but buddy, I'm interested in fire. I hope you are. It's more about fire than form. We've so, we're so hung up on our forms, and they vary from region to region. <laughs> but a form of godliness with no power, you ain't got nothing but religion. But when the Holy Spirit comes, brother, I'm just telling you, uh, it's not scripted. The prayer time, is, it, it flexes according to the Spirit's direction. If you're leading the prayer meeting, you go with the flow. So there's continuity, uh, there's spontaneity, and there's unity. And the person leading the prayer time has to be in step with the Holy Spirit to know how to lead the thing. <laughs> because God will direct on the fly. I tell everybody where I go about your communion services up here. You have very unusual <laughs> communion services. Pastor Van Gelderen told me the first time I came up here how that uh, during communion he throws it open for a, a corporate prayer meeting. Really? And then he said, I found out the Holy Spirit could control crowds. 
hmm, that's different. You say that's taking a risk. Not when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you can help people get stopped uh, a whole lot easier than you can help them get started sometimes, all right? So, so, <laughs> so life-giving prayer meetings are spirit-led, right? And we're going with the flow of how the Spirit is impressing us and the burden of God. I go, I, I've been to some prayer meetings where the leadership will have a burden for a certain thing, and it differs every week. There's variation. It's not the same thing over and over. God is creative. And brother, when we're in step with Him, we're, we get creative instructions from God on how to conduct and how to lead our prayer times. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just uh, uh, have a little season right here where we're uh, trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us as we pray. Would you just bow your head before the Lord and just talk to the Lord from the bottom of your heart for a moment. If you don't know where to start, just say, Lord, you're good because, and fill in the blank. Pray the things that God impresses upon your heart. Intercede for the burdens that God has placed upon your heart. For the people and the needs. Holy Spirit, we don't know how to pray, but you do. So Lord, fill us. Lead us. Guide us. Teach us to pray. We give you praise for your guidance and leadership. And Father, thank you for leading us as we lead others in prayer. Amen. All right, life-giving prayer, number four. Biblical praying is faith-filled. Faith-filled. The last time I was here, the student body prayed in the bus. And we went outside and gave thanks for the bus. I wish we had done it inside because it was cold outside, but we went outside and gave thanks for the bus. Amen. So what's the burden now? What, what do we believe in God for now? <laughs> what does the school need now? What do you, I mean, I'm sure God's going to lead your lead. And by the way, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, when they said we will give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word, notice that prayer came before the preaching. That's what the inspired word of God says. Number two, preaching's important, but I'm here to tell you something. That wasn't talking about the apostles hitting the prayer closet. My understanding is when they gave themselves to prayer, that was the oversight of mobilizing the congregation, the church in prayer. The average sermon on Sunday is prepared for for hours. Sunday night is prepared for less time. Wednesday night, in most places, not all, but it's hardly prepared for at all. And we want, do you ever wonder that maybe the reason so people, few people come to the average prayer meeting is because there's no forethought and prayer and leadership that went into it in the first place? So if you're going to be a leader, you have to, it's important to instruct people. But brother, if you don't implement what you instruct, all you got is an academic environment and the church is not a seminary. It's supposed to be a house of flaming prayer. 
So we're going to give ourselves to prayer, right? To overseeing uh, the prayer ministry in the church. Now, now uh, biblical praying is, is faith-filled. Faith is confidence in God. Faith is confidence in God. Unbelief is confidence in something other than God. And God has given us the, the faith mandate in prayer. He requires faith when we pray. Somebody said an ounce of faith is better than a ton of excitement. Faith has nothing to do with your feelings. Has nothing to do with your emotions. It's got everything to do with uh, the word of God. Doubt digs the grave of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So there's no prayer apart from faith. If you're not praying in faith, you're not praying anyhow. You're just saying prayers. Quit saying prayers. Most of us have one ritual prayer in our systems, and the quicker we lose it, the better off we'll be, and the kingdom of God will be. So don't start off saying the same thing the same way every time. That's no better than doing the rosary. The Baptists have their own version of the rosary, you know. And said, just... Well, it's not, it's not a formula. It's not just a rabbit foot. It's not just going through the motions. No, it, it, you've got to have faith. Now, James 1, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. He that wavers like a, a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed, don't let that man think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. R.A. Torrey said, faith is taking God at his word. Listen to Tori. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is not belief without evidence. It is belief on the very best evidence. The word of him that cannot lie. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions we desired of him. Bold praying. Too much timid praying, too much cautious praying. Uh, conservative Christians are scared to death that they're going to overshoot the runway and believe God for something that's not His will. I say it's better off to overshoot the runway than never get on it in the first place. But when you get a promise from God, you're not overshooting anything, brother. You're just going to God, banking on what the Word of God says, and you believe in God and you have confidence in God. Philip Brooks said, faith is a sword to defend us. It's a guide to direct us. It's a staff to support us. Faith is a friend to comfort us. And faith is the golden key to open heaven for us. Mm. Remember that father with the demon-possessed child in Mark chapter 9? He was so burdened, helpless. Been, nobody could help him. He went to the disciples. They couldn't help him. So in desperation, he comes to Jesus, and he's not really sure Jesus can help him. But he came to him, and Jesus said, how long has this been going on? And the father said, since he was a child. The spirit throws him in the fire, and he throws him in the water, and he's foaming at the mouth. And he, Jesus, The father said to Jesus, if thou canst do anything, if. He wasn't even sure, but he came. <laughs> if you can do anything, have compassion. And help us. And Jesus said to him, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Wow. And then the father said, Lord, I believe with tears. Help thou mine. Boy, he's pretty honest, isn't he? I like this guy. He came to Jesus. And prayer is when you got to, listen, prayer is coming to Jesus. 
And if you've got enough faith to come to Jesus, you've got enough faith to pray. And if you've got enough faith to pray, you've got enough faith to get a miracle. You don't have to wait till the circumstances are right, your emotions are right. Everything, just, just, just come to Jesus. Tell him how bad things are. <laughs> and, and, and if you're helpless, and, and you just, just come uh, to Jesus. And, 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 and so Jesus cast the demon out of this kid. The disciples said, Lord, how come we couldn't do anything with him? How come we couldn't help him? And Jesus said, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. Now listen to me. Not everything that happens is the will of God. Say that out loud. Not everything that happens is the will of God. Theological determinism is killing us. Why the Baptists want to become Protestants is a mystery to me. And I'm just here to tell you, when a man shacks up with somebody that's not his wife, he's not doing the will of God. God didn't foreordain that. He's violating the moral will of God. Is there an amen in the house on this? I mean, you get that Jack Daniels crowd giving you your theology and smoking your pipe and splitting your hairs. I'm just telling you, brother, you're going to wind up in the ditch. And I'm just here to tell you, it's high time the conservative church of God dared to get out of the boat, believe God for something big, and brother, do some praying and fasting and expect some fire fall from heaven. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still holding out for a revival. I know you all are too, brother, and it's going to come. Now, taking the words of Jesus at face value, we just need to do that. Now, prayer can turn a promise into a prophecy. Prayer turns a promise into a prophecy. And when God gives you a promise, stand on it, man. Believe it. Embrace it. Confess it. I, I mean, hold on to it. Desire, pray, believe, and receive. And Matthew Henry said, active faith gives thanks for a promise even though it is yet performed, knowing that God's contracts are as good as cash. I was speaking at a Christian university. <laughs> the president said to me, he said, Harold, when you get to talking about faith in an academic environment, the professors get nervous. What a sorry commentary. I, I, I ain't talking about the University of Michigan. <laughs> Fundamentalism is in unbelief. By and large, analyze everything, critique everything, sort out everything, eliminate the supernatural, eliminate the Holy Ghost. Just, just, just boil it all down to uh, some more cerebral teaching, brethren, and uh, theory number one and theory number two. Keep your theories to yourself. Brother, get in faith. Believe God for something. And if you're going to pray, you better believe and you're going to get it because he that comes to God, got to believe that God exists and he rewards those that diligently seek him. Amen, brother. This is really good preaching. Now, thanking God. <laughs> I'm getting encouraged myself. <laughs> Thanking God is the first step of faith. When you ask God to pay your school bill, thank God for paying your school bill. And go get a job too, amen? <laughs> and get that Bernie Sanders sticker off your car, brother. I'm just... <laughs> well, I'm going to say this right here. We're living in a culture of irresponsibility. Fornication is not abnormal, it's the norm. But the Bible says, don't let it once be named among you. 
So here we have a culture of moral irresponsibility, uh, fornication, then freeloading. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Uh, so here's a guy that gets a girl pregnant. She gets on food stamps. He gets uh, food stamps, goes gets his lotto tickets and his uh, beer, beer money and cigarettes. And uh, then he'll go out and sire another ch child and the government pays for him. Societal irresponsibility, moral irresponsibility, and the third leg is fatalism. Spiritual irresponsibility. Nowhere in the Bible did any preacher ever tell somebody, you don't have the capacity to repent and believe. Nowhere in the Bible did any preacher in the Old Testament or the New ever instruct his hearers that they were unable to obey, unable to repent, or unable to believe. They were told to repent and believe. Am I right or wrong on this point right here? So when you relieve a man of the responsibility to seek the Lord while he may be found and, 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 the, and the duty faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's theological fatalism. So we got spiritual irresponsibility being uh, touted, uh, societal irresponsibility being touted, a moral irresponsibility being touted, which is leading to socialism. Now listen to me. When people don't worship God, they worship the state. Look at Europe. And they tell me that in the seminaries, it's full more dependence upon the state. Because when you don't trust God, you've got to trust uh, the, the overarching of powers that be. How anybody could have confidence in the government and either leg is a, is a mystery to me. But it's the consequence of irresponsibility. I'm here to tell you, you're responsible immorally. That's why the Bible says don't commit adultery. You're responsible societally, societally. That's why the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And you're responsible and accountable to God to repent and believe the gospel. And that's why we preach repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. No extra charge for that. Now, um, without expectation, there is no faith. Without faith, there's no prayer. we got to believe. Now listen, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Abraham took off not knowing where he was going, but he knew, he knew who was with him. <laughs> and that's why sometimes we need to have impossible prayer meetings filled with faith. You need a job, ask him and thank him for it. You want your parents to be saved, ask him and thank him for it. Uh, you, you need some help in your emotions, ask him and thank him by faith. Don't sit around waiting for the manifestation. Just go ahead and thank God for the answer before it shows up. Faith-filled praying. Now, we were having a prayer meeting uh, at the ladies' prayer advance one year. We were having impossible prayer requests, things that were not probable, even potentiality, but things that were humanly impossible. One lady had an impossible request. Her mother from Philadelphia needed a kidney transplant. And uh, that was their impossible request that God would supply her mother with a kidney without taking somebody's life in order to do it. The doctors in Philadelphia said that she was too old, but a doctor in Richmond said, I'll do it if a kidney becomes available. So she began to pray for a kidney. Where do you go looking for a kidney? Craigslist? I mean, where are you going to go? So they were praying and asking God to give her mother a kidney. Would you believe when they went home, <laughs> two women of a different race came up to the family and said, we just feel impressed 
I want to offer you one of my kidneys if it's a match. Not one, but two donors, potential donors. The first one was a match. So the doctor swapped them out. <laughs> Next year, the lady's prayer advance. Here we had uh, the donor. Here we had the recipient, Mama Carter, who is my adopted mother. And then the daughter behind the pulpit telling the story how that uh, she had prayed and asked God to supply a kidney to extend her mom's life. And brother, an impossible the prayer request, humanly speaking, but nothing shall be impossible with God. So faith, prayer is faith-filled. It's believing God. And, and we get over that Laodicean church age mess that some of us have grew up with. I don't believe it. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. That's worse than hyper-Calvinism. Believing that God uh, uh, arranged the Laodiceans to be a bunch of deadbeats to typify what we ought to act like in the last days. Where in the world did they come up with that stuff? I'm just telling you, brother, get over that mess. And get it, well, you know, the culture has changed and, you know, we're never going to have much success in this. Really? What? <laughs> I mean, it's unbelief, is it not? Faith-filled prayer is what I'm trying to get at here. So what do you believe in God for? What do you need? You have a promise to plead. Man, if you get a promise, buddy, bank on it and thank God for his answers. So I'm already late, so let's do this. Uh, guys with guys, girls with girls, let's huddle up and let's pray an impossible prayer request. Not something that's likely, not even something that's possible, humanly speaking, but something that only God could do. And let's, uh, let's pray in faith believing. Let's ask and then let's thank God for uh, answering that prayer. Can we do that? All right, guys with guys, just, just two people and, and have a season of impossible praying, faith-filled praying for just a moment. Then Pastor Van Gelderen will come and give us direction in just a moment. All right, so huddle up, have a little faith-filled prayer meeting. Sorry, brother. This is front and center for this week. Great. Great. Huh. You got an impossible request? <laughs> I'm sure you do. What's one of them? Okay, mine would be um, powerful revivals, outpourings. I want to get in on I love to be in this atmosphere, brother. So not much is happening most places, but so what? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's right. Amen. 
Oh God. <sighs> Amen, Lord. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord, thank you for increasing our faith. Father, BCM needs something shy of a million dollars or more to build this dorm. Now, Lord, you've got the resources. In Christ's name, we pray you'd unlock them, and Father, that you would supply according to your riches in glory. They're already there. So, Father, by faith, we just uh, want to thank you up front. Ask again, and thank you up front for supplying this need. Thank you, Lord. Do it in Jesus' name and get the credit for it. We'll get the benefit, but you'll get the praise. We thank you. Amen. Amen.